back the sacrifice we make. He gave you your life for the exact same reason. He gave you your life as a sacrifice to Him, a living sacrifice, as we said, to be surrendered, to be made whole in Him. We've talked about who we are this year, or last year into this year. That we are here as a purpose. We are here to serve. We are here to build a relationship. Yes, come on. Everything I'm focusing around is relationships. Is that what God keeps speaking to? Put this not. hand back in this mic back before I knock him over. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Guys, it's all about our relationship with Jesus, which transfers into our relationship with others, which is transferred by serving others. You can't go out there and Bible thump somebody into loving Jesus. These people that stand on the floor, you need Jesus. Does not work. You've got to love into them. You've got to serve into them. They need to know that you're real and genuine in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You need yes. to cry with them. You need to listen to them. Yes, yes I said listen to them. Sometimes this may not interest you. It doesn't matter. Listen to them. We're not programmed to listen very well. That's true. We, we want to voice you talking. When you listen to somebody, stop thinking about their next part of the conversation. Listen to what they have to say, but more importantly, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to say. Because yeah. you know what? What He's going to tell you to say will be far more than your wisdom. Right. Guys, that would be part of my message earlier. Tomorrow we're going to get back to the basics. We're going to get some basic foundations. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalms 119. We're going to talk about the standard of right and wrong. We're going to talk about what dictates that standard. Wilson used to be a machinist. I know Frank, you'll understand this from my mother's work. This tool is used to measure. It has to be calibrated to a standard in order to be accurate. Eric, can you see that gap in that in that tool? I'm blind. But yeah. <laughs> and I'm blind, but yeah. Right in between there, can you see the gap? Oh, that? No. Oh, I was looking at the big thing. I know. <laughs> so they couldn't see the gap. That was the whole thousandth of an inch. Because if this tool's off, 
then everything I make is going to be off, and then it's not going to fit the other part. A moral compass, if you will. How do you find your way if you don't have some sort of direction? If I take you down here by Roaring River, I blindfold you and take you off in the middle of the state park. How are you going to find your way out of there? You've got to have something. Compass? A GPS? The sun? That's my next point. Sun rises in the east, sets in the west. And many times I've been out hunting, I find out a deer standing out. Okay, the sun's set there. I know my truck was due east, so I need to go the opposite way. What time am I seeing the sun? Of course, it's real good until you go to follow the logging trail and you get all twisted around. <laughs> What about eating the moss? Most of the time, the moss grows on the north side of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Sycamore trees typically near water. All these things naturally aid us in finding where we're at. But tonight, today, we're going to talk about the, the, the GPS that's better than a global positioning device. See, I've been in the woods at night using my GPS to find my way out because I stayed a little too late in the sand on an 8,000 acre conservation land and the GPS had a malfunction. Next thing I know, I'm walking in a circle and taking me right back to my stand. <laughs> now I'm trying to figure my GPS out. But you know what? We have something better. We have God's promises and standards. GPS, God's promises and standards. The Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Several points there to look at. But that evening, that's the verse that my main focus. One of the awesome things about the Bible is 66 books all combined to make one book. Yes. Written over 1,500 years apart. We can't even get a few years together right. Frank used to disassemble a car and he'd wait five years to start putting it back together. It's a very easy project. That's just five years. 1,500 years for the Bible to be written by many different individuals. So now I'm going to ask you disassemble that car. Somebody else disassembles that car today. Now, five years from now, now how easy is it to reassemble when somebody else disassembled it five years ago? Pretty, pretty difficult task because you don't know what parts went where or what they even don't have that they have. The Bible was written by different people over 1,500 years. Think about that miracle of that, guys. Amen. Today's text, Psalms 19, was probably written by Priest Ezra. It's not 100% known. It is the longest Psalms in the Bible. 176 verses. 22 stanzas. So we're going to be here a while, right? I'm not going to use the whole chapter. I'm going to use one stanza. Psalms 119, 8, 89 through 96. Lord, your, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Your faithfulness is for all generations. You establish the earth and it stands firm. Your judgment your judgments for judgments stand firm today and for all things are your servants. 
If your instruction has not been my delight, I would have died in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for you have given me life through them. I am yours. Save me. For I have studied your precepts. The wicked hope to destroy me, but I contemplate your decrees. I send a limit to all perfection, but your command is without limit. Mm-hmm. Let's go down in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Father. We thank you you give us a guideline, more than a guideline, a policy, Father, of how to live life, of what to do with our life, Father. That without it, we wouldn't have a standard. It's our moral compass for right and wrong and beyond, Father. It's more than that, even, Father, that we understand that it's our, our purpose of how to develop a relationship with you and others. We thank you for God's word. May we open it up. May we open our hearts and our minds to receive everything it has to offer. Everything it has to offer, Father. And not just to just open to see it, Father, but apply it to our lives, Father, so we can use it to defend the enemy off, to bless others, to grow in you. Father, I just ask that each person in here, Father, look at how can I serve? How can I serve you, Lord? Grow full life, grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. David Pallison, Christian writer and counselor, I haven't looked at a lot of his work, I'll say that for declaration, but I found this quote, and I'll tell you what, I really just loved it. It says, Psalms 19, it's a quote. Psalms 119 is actually not about the topic of getting scripture into your life. Instead, it's honest words that erupt when God gets into you. It's an exoneration of Bible study. It's an outcry of faith. Psalms 119 is a thoughtful outcry that rises when real life meets real God. If you read this book like any other book, it's going to be a book like any other book to you. This book is real and living and expired. Yes. And it's meant to apply to your life. I can preach the best message in the world. And if you choose to say a good message and walk out this door and don't apply it, it has not done any good. The same thing with God's Word. If you set it up on the shelf and never dust it off, it doesn't do any good. If you take it out and you read through it, and I, okay, I've got to do my 15 minutes of Bible reading, 5 minutes of prayer time, or whatever your, your routine is, get beyond that. It's more than a routine. It's more than just uh, simply looking at the words. It's what does God mean. Amen. I've got five points to go through in about three or four verses of that verses I read this morning. God's been speaking. There's more points than that. He spoke to me on these five points very powerfully. This word is meant for when it gets real life. First point's in verse 89. Lord, your word is forever. Yes. Forever is my first point. God's word is forever. There is not an expiration date on it. The word does not show an expiration date. Even when it talks about the expiration date of this earth, this earth will burn up in a ball of fire. It is given. It says in God's word, I believe it, it's true 100%. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. But it does not say that there's going to be a new word. The word will remain for eternity. That's right. That's right. The word applies to your life today. It didn't say it applies till 1999 and the change of the millennium. All of a sudden, God's word is still relevant. It did not say that. 
The Word is the same today. God is the same today. The Word applies to your situation today. Well, they didn't quite have my situation back in that day. The principles apply. The way that God and the Spirit speaks through you will apply. It applies to the struggles that you have today. It applies to the struggles that you will have tomorrow. It applies to the way you should live today. It applies to the way you should be serving today and the way you should be serving tomorrow and the increase of serving you will have. Yes, yes. amen. Your situation has not caused some expiration to come. Think about the longest wait you've ever had. And that is a drop in the bucket compared to forever. See, all you guys know that I worked Springfield Fire for years. What you don't know is I didn't get that job the first time I applied for that job. They do trials one time a year for that job. When I first started applying for that job, and even when I got that job, they usually have around a thousand applicants a year and usually hire about five people. So the odds are not in your favor. Quite frankly, my first hurdle was I wasn't very good at English. So I wouldn't pass the English part of the test. Yeah, it's a general aptitude test, and I do the mathematics, but the English was pretty, pretty immense. Seven tries over eight years. That's a whole lot of time passed, right? But it's nothing in comparison to eternity. What you're going through is temporary in comparison to the eternity. Yes, amen. Amen, come on. Ten thousandths of an inch on that mic right now, on this micrometer. Ten thousandths of an inch isn't much. Especially when you compare it to this much. Think about our God. See, we think on this scale. In comparison to God's scale, which is infinite. Yeah. Why is this important? We must realize that God's word is current. Or we will not apply it. God's word is current. Think of a school speeding zone. Going down the road at 7.30 in the morning. I don't know exactly the time frame here, but usually you know, say they're 7 to 8.30, speed limit is 20. It's only applicable between those times and those times. God's word is applicable through all times. It's not a school zone and it's only applicable for this part of your life or this time period of your life. It's applicable forever. It's right. Forever. Everybody hold your arms up. Forever. 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 Everybody hold your arms up. Back row two. Forever. forever. Thank you. We must have applications of God's word upon our life to fulfill our roles and missions to receive the promises to become what we're called to be in God, to be who he already sees us as. Two weeks ago I preached on Jeremiah 29 11. About you guys plans to hope and prosper. Remember what I told you? You have to participate in the plan. You have to participate in those terms and conditions. How do you know the terms and conditions unless you're studying the contract? Right. You have to study the contract. Crystal and I still in our house in Lebanon got delayed. Lady couldn't close this next week like we was hoping. So I said, well, send an amendment on what she's going to offer to stay in contract. She broke contract. 
very carefully read this amendment. I wanted to know exactly what is she offering. I wanted to make sure there's not something funny in there. You have to read the details. You have to study the details. Here's the thing, though, is you got a lawyer in there. You got the Holy Spirit. That's right. It's not like the contracts that we read when we're buying a house or a car. We're trying to figure out what's this and what's it? What's that world? Does that work mean? We got a Holy Spirit that's going to help us interpret the terms and conditions of this contract. next point is it's fixed in heaven verse 89 lord your word is forever it is firmly fixed in heaven god's word is not of this world can i get an amen on that amen. if it was of this world it would be flawed it'd be messed up and it would do nothing but get worse god used man to write it but it's all inspired all truth god's word on paper <coughs> It is from heaven. It is fixed in heaven. It's not adaptable. It's not changeable. It is God's word. The earth will try to change it. The, the world will try to change it. It's fixed. It is stable. It is permanent. It is firmly attached. It is anchored. It is rooted. It is secure. Where is it secure to? Heaven. What is it attached to? Heaven. God's place. The holy place. It is necessary to know what you're secure in. I've done rope rescue. I've propelled off buildings six stories up. and love it. I'll go head first when I trust the guy anchor me and he can lower me and I'll go head first Spider-Man off the wall. I have no problem with it. I do. But I have to know what I'm anchored to. That's right. We use the term bomb-proof anchor when we're anchoring off our ropes. Because I want to know that that rope's not going to slip. God's word's not going to slip. God's Amen. word is the firm anchor. It is anchored in heaven. Yeah. By God. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Is what God's word said. It's important to realize this. Guys, this is a basic message. Basic facts. But yet we still seem not to grab a hold of it. That we struggle and we start losing grip. We need to be firmly fixed to the word. If we firmly fix ourselves to the word. As the word's firmly fixed. And then we won't sway as much. You're firmly fixed to the standard. Going back to the Jesus example. Right now, there's no gap in there. So you get my gauge reached 25. You think it's set to a standard? It's not set to a standard at all. It shouldn't be reading zero when it's closed. So everything that this caliper touches is going to be off by 25 thousandths. Roughly a 32nd of an inch. So everything is off. That's what the enemy wants to do with us. He wants us to get off God's word just a little bit. Because here's the thing is, everything you do is going to be off just a little bit of your life. Yeah. It's not going to match up with what else he has for you because you're off just a little bit. Until you say, I surrender all. I come back to you. I need to recalibrate it. And I recalibrate God's word. Amen. And now, I'm on dead zero. And I'm calibrated to God's word. 
Amen. Enemy does not want to take you and make you this far off. Start with the time. Nope. Wants to take you just a little bit, couple thousands off. You know that thickness of my hair off. A little bit more off. A little bit more off. Pretty much not off. Oh wait a minute, you're focused all the wrong way now. Doesn't take much. How many people have ever shot a rifle for distance? So just for easy figures, we'll say the barrel is 36 inches. You're off one sixteenth of an inch. You're off a hundred sixteenths of an inch at a hundred yards. Hundred sixteenths of an inch is roughly that far. Enough to miss your point. And for a high-powered rifle, hundred yards is a short shot. My point is, is enemy wants to just get you off a little bit so you can miss the mark. Yes. He wants you to get out of this work just a little bit. That way you're not fixed on it. Oh, Jesus. Don't believe me? Give you a perfect example. Jesus in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Enemy used scripture that he twisted to yeah. come at Jesus. Just a little bit off. Just a little bit off. But Jesus recognized it because he knew the word. That's right. We have to look at the word. We have to study the word. We have to plant the word wrong. Am I saying you have to memorize a whole bunch of this? I'm not a memorizer. You come to me and ask me to quote scripture. I'm not a scripture quoter. I don't have that gift. But I know what the word says and I know what it means. If That's you want right. to go in detail, whether you pull my phone out, we'll pull the Bible out and we'll get in it. That's right. Amen. But you need to know what it means. You need to be confident in what it means. And when you're not confident in what it means, you need to go back and look and make sure what it means. Need another example? Look at Eve. Just a little bit. He didn't say. He said it was all right to keep that out. Just keep that out. No, he just twisted it just a little bit. If the devil will do it with Jesus, the perfect one, why wouldn't he do it with you? Come on. Tricking and deceiving many as they read the word, but yet they do not study the realization of the truth from the word. I encourage you to look at the context. Pray the word to look deep in the heart of what it's saying. One of the courses you have to take to become a credential is called hermeneutics. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, after I took that course, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I'm sure I should be a preacher. Because it's all about the English, yeah. the context, studying depth in word. You do not have to be a hermeneutic scholar to understand God's word. I am standing here as your pastor telling you I am not a hermeneutic scholar, expert, or anywhere in that realm to understand God's Word. What you do have to have is that relationship with God the Father That's and the Holy right. Spirit speak That's to you right. to understand God's Word. I'll give you a perfect example of one of the things that people take out of context because they don't study God's Word for a book. Talk to Corinthians about man should not have long hair. And I had a gentleman before I came to this church approach me and said, you're in violation of God's word. I said, really? I said, what are you talking about? He said, it's in Corinthians. I prayed about it in a second. I said, you probably ought to look that back up, look at the context of that scripture. So what is 
talking about is when men have long hair and they was using it for reversion. See, the Corinthians had a lot of problems in reversion. And men were being with other men and men were impersonating females and such as that. And that's why it was talking about you shouldn't have that. You have to look at the scripture in its entirety. Have you ever noticed that I usually, I very seldom focus on one scripture. Yeah. We go to the scriptures before and after. Back to 2011 in Jeremiah. If you focus on one scripture, God wants me to prosper. He wants hope. He wants a plan. It's all great. I'm good to go. God's got me. Yeah, God's got me. Look before and after in terms of conditions. Look at the scripture. It's firmly fixed in what it says, but you have to look at it. You can't omit scripture. You can't add scripture. You have to look at it in its entirety. I've had friends say, well, that's Old Testament law. I don't have to follow that. Okay, so you deleted that or half the Bible by that. So let's take a step further. Well, then it's not in the red letter, so I don't have to follow that. Well, that's outdated, so I don't have to follow that. Pretty soon you're down to the pretty skinny Bible. God's Word is God's Word, and it's God's Word for a reason. It's there for a reason. You may not understand all of it. I'm still trying to figure out why all the numbers are numbers. So we can find it. Do what? He said so we can find it in the Bible. No, the numbers actually went you know all, all the statistics, but oh, I don't know. I'll, someday it'll be, you know. But anyway, you know, we don't necessarily have to figure it out. Like God will prove to us as we need it. That's right. God's entire word is given to us reason. I believe all those numbers and numbers are there for a reason. Yep. Now, I'll be honest, when I read numbers, a lot of times it's like, whoa, Lord, this is making me sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. But one of these days, he's going to reveal to me. One of these days, I'll probably preach a big message out of numbers. The next one is faithfulness. Verse 90. Your faithfulness is for all generations. It didn't say some generations, it didn't say it skips a generation. It didn't say the generations of Bible time or generations to come. It says all generations. It is for your generation. It is for your kids' generation. It is for your grandkids' generation. It is for your grandkids' 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 generation. Amen. That ought to deserve an amen. If you stop and think about that, we need to be praying forward. I'm praying for my grandkids. And I don't even have a kid that's married yet. I'm praying for my great-grandkids. If you're not praying on a hundred-year plan, you're not praying far enough ahead. Yeah, maybe Jesus will come back before then. You know what? If he doesn't, hallelujah. But if he doesn't, you're praying up those. You need to be praying for those little ones, grandkids, even though that isn't even a fall on the radar thing yet. God is faithful through all the generations. God's Word has been proven throughout the entire generations of the Bible. Anything that He said He would do, He done. Every forecast every prophet that prophesied in the Bible has been carried through to the date that it was supposed to. God is remaining loyal and steadfast. We look at the testimonies just in the short time I've been here about how God has been faithful to you. His word has been faithful. His word has been true. And when you're going through something that's easy for the enemy to speak, that don't apply to you. That's not for you. It says he is faithful to all generations. All of us. Amen. His word contains many promises and covenants. He is faithful to honor those. But there are those terms and conditions. Namely, one time God did not be faithful in delivering his side of the deal. 
Give me one instance in the Bible. If God has written in His Word, then He will be faithful to show it through and true. If God has brought you to it, then He will be faithful to bring you through it when you do your part. Now that don't mean we can lay down and say, God's got it, I don't have to do nothing. No, we have our part in it. We have to seek Him. We have to pray. We may have to battle our way through it. But He will bring us through it. It's, it worked in the New Testament says we are victorious. We are overcomers. Even the things that we've gotten ourselves into, God is faithful to bring it through us. When you come to Him and follow Him in His Word, I have seen amazing things happen with addicts. Yes. I've seen addicts that honestly, 10 years ago, I would have wrote them off the books. I've been like, no way. And they came back and they're believing in God. I got a great friend that's down in Texas County, down around Houston, Missouri area. And I'm going to tell you, when he gives his testimony, he says, I was the number one biggest meth builder in Texas County. He says, I sold more meth and I was better at it than anybody else. You know what? He's probably better at selling Jesus now than anybody else. Praise God. Yeah. I mean, this guy, he's in men's ministry. He's wives in women's ministry. They are in a men's home. They are in a women's home. They're in a men's encounter. He's in a men's jar. They're active in their church. I mean, his whole life is about ministry, even though he does a secular job. I mean, I don't know how he even does it all. My point is, is God can take it when the person's willing to follow him. Each of us can call upon the name of Jesus for forgiveness and redemption. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you don't have that personal, very personal relationship with Jesus, don't walk out of here today without it. Yes. It's, it's what makes the difference in making this go from a book to God's work. Yes. It's what makes the difference where you're going to go in the end, where it's heaven or hell. Yes. Jesus makes the difference on how you're going to look yes. at life, how you're going to live your life, how you're going to serve in your life, and how you're going to look at you and your family in life. It makes a difference for every relationship. Amen. His word says that forgiveness is for you, the redemption is for you, and it is true and faithful. Some of you are going through stuff right now. You don't know what the other stuff looked like. That's all right. Many times when you look at Bible stories, they don't know what the other side looked like. Yeah. When they was walking around in the wilderness waiting to enter the promised land, they did not know what the other side looked like. God had told them it looked good, but they didn't know. And they wouldn't be faithful, so why they had to spend all that time in the wilderness. Yeah. Look at Jacob's story. He didn't know what the other side looked like either. Story after story. You don't have to know what the other side looks like. You just have to know that God is with you. God is faithful. God is consistent. Know that you can rest in Him. The simple <laughs> truth is that God's faithfulness is never lacking. If you are feeling as though there is a lack of faithfulness, you need to look at your part in that. Because the lack of faithfulness is if you want to do things. It's the enemy speaking to you, telling you God's not faithful, so you're listening to the wrong voice. Or, or it's a lack of your faithfulness to God, not believing in His promises, not believing in His truths. So when you think of God's not being faithful, you need to examine yourself in that situation. Certainly, God is not unfaithful. My next point is firm. Verse 90. Your faithfulness for all generations. You establish the earth and it stands firm. Anything God puts in place is in place until God removes it. God has given us His Word. He has put it in place. It stands firm. 
The earth is set in place until, until the day he chooses to burn it up and bring a new heaven and a new earth. Time that, time, times that God has set forth will stand firm and move forth. Sometimes we'd like them to stand still. A lot of you moms in here, you really cherish when your kids were little. Oh, they were sweet those babies. I'm just that time in my life. I don't do <laughs> I got I like it when they got older. You can feed yourself, change yourself. I don't have to die. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what? We can't go back to those times. Time moves forward. Time's going to go ahead. God has plans for us on this earth and in our unyielding. And they're determined by what God's word says for us. Our role is being faithful to those plans and decisions. Verse 91. Your judgment stand firm today for all things are in your service. His plan for the earth not only stands firm, but yet his judgment stands firm. Who's ever been in a situation of rules where rules and, and, and uh, regulations apply differently to you? Mm -hmm. There's these rules and maybe you're in a game, basketball game with the referee being one side, or maybe you're in the job and you know, you show up one minute late and you get rode up and get the other person show up ten minutes late and didn't get anything done. Yep. It happens. The world's not fair and are not firm in this judgment, but God is. God has given us His Word, a way to live. Yes. The big thing when I was on the fire department was guidelines, policies, and procedures. See, here's the great thing about guidelines. Guidelines, I can get around them. You say, I should pull an inch and a half fire hose to go inside and burn a building. I mean, I can do that or I can pull two and a half. I've got a choice in the matter. I've got some judgment in there. This is policies and procedures. You don't have a judgment in what it says. It says what it says. See, policies and procedures are set forth exactly how you should live and how you should work. Policy procedure. You will put your seatbelt on when you get on the fire track. Mm -hmm. There ain't no if things or buts about it. You better have your seatbelt on when you're on the fire track. Mm -hmm. Remember to pray for other needs of fire, by the way. We lost a firefighter. He rolled a fire truck this week. Died. Our first responders the last two weeks, we've lost two in Joplin, two in Montero for law enforcement, and one firefighter in the last two weeks for first responders. So pray for your families. Yes. So Wilson, what if I brought a part to you and I don't follow the rules of machining? I don't follow what that blueprint tells me for the tolerances. Is it going to probably fit very well with your part? Uh, you probably mess it up real good. <laughs> probably mess it up real good. It'd be too sloppy. Or may not even go over each other. It may not even match up. See, that's the thing about God's Word. It gives us those tolerances. It tells us what we need to do or not need to do. It tells us how I need to act. That way it matches up with Martha and how she acts and how we come together in relationships. How we can work together as full life fellowship to go out there and develop relationships and match up with our community. Now, granted, I understand not every relationship's healthy. I understand not every relationship is what it's supposed to be, but not everybody's following God's word. I don't. 
Even Christians so many times are used to be, well, I want to have it this way. Yep. Well, I don't like the color of the car, but I don't like being here, and I don't like this, and I don't like that. Well, what's God's word say about the color of the car? I don't really think it says a whole lot about it. I think it's more important about what you're doing. Right. I think it's more important about getting out of the way and getting God. The judgment is firmly rooted in God's word, his love, his love and his faithfulness, his loyalty to hold the ways. He is fair in the firmness of this. Some people may say, well, judgment, well, back in the Old Testament, back in the New Testament, they didn't have to deal with the internet. I have to deal with the internet. There's all kinds of stuff on the internet that's hard for me to deal with. You know, there's all kinds of pornography that pops, pops up on the internet, so that makes it hard for me. So they didn't have to deal with it in the Bible. Guess what? I doesn't mention the Corinthians. They had all kinds of perversion there. They may not have the internet. Guess what? You don't have to have the internet. If it's, a, if it's a hindrance to you, then it says pluck out your eye in the New Testament. It's not saying literally to pluck your eye out. Although I know one guy in this area that did that one time. Once again, going back to what God word means, it says get rid of the stumbling stone. So get rid of the internet. If you have a problem with pornography or something on the internet, and you're saying, well, God's word don't address that. Yes, it does address that. It says get it out of the way. Amen. We need to surrender all. We sung that song. Think about that. I surrender all. I'm not saying the internet's wrong. I use the internet every week for my sermon. Mm -hmm. I copy and paste my sermons right off of, off of the Bible website, but right here, that way I'm not trying to fumble around with the Bible. The internet's not a bad thing. If you're using it for the wrong thing, then you need to surrender and get it out of the book. If that fast folks the wrong thing for you, then you need to surrender and get it out of the book. I ride a motorcycle. If I was out riding a motorcycle this morning instead of being in church, then I'd probably need to turn to my motorcycle. Also, if you want to look on the point I just made about lust, look at King David. All he had to do was go to his rooftop. Right. He didn't have to turn the computer on. He just went to his rooftop after he woke up and there was Bathsheba. And he fell into an addiction. God gave us precepts to follow be able to firmly, to be able to be firm with us. It's not like he's saying, I'm going to punish you for rules that you don't have. He doesn't want to punish us. He wants us to just follow the rules. My last point is forget. I will not forget your precepts for you have given me through life to them. I am yours. Save me. I have studied your precepts. I am your Savior. You sounds a whole lot like I surrender all, doesn't it? Praise the Lord's effort, but it's the same meaning. There's no excuse for not knowing his precepts, not knowing what he requires of us. One of the shows I've been watching a lot lately is a show called Lone Star Law. And what it's about is about Texas game wardens that are on their job. It's a reality show. They've got several different ones, Louisiana Law and B-Ray. Keep hearing a common thing. I didn't know I was supposed to call it a harvest law. I didn't know I was expired on my license. I didn't know, or I thought, how many of them excuses are going to hold up with God whenever you go to heaven and you're standing before him on that judgment 
that fair and firm judgment that I just talked about, and you have to answer that you didn't do something because I didn't know. It gives us the tools we need to succeed. That's right. Yes, it does. Yeah. It's not in the whole water, guys. And there will be a time we answer for the things that we did, and even the things that we didn't do that we were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I believe Christians are going to have a long list of that a lot of times. The Psalms is telling us not to forget, to remember what God's commanded us to do, power to live our life. God was given, God's word was given to us for our entire life, not just some time period, but our entire life. If we want to move forward, if we want to expand, we have to apply these precepts. We cannot forget what we've been taught. How often are you studying God's word looking for minimum standards? Mm -hmm. The minimum precepts that we can do to get by. Instead of looking for the minimum, look what God's saying to do. Slam before she stepped up around and say, she says, up there, that's uncomfortable. Good job, you stood up there anyway. Because I'm going to tell you, when you start walking and saying, I surrender all, you're going to get uncomfortable. And it's going to get uncomfortable. By the time you get comfortable, that's going to be a little more uncomfortable. You're going to not surrender a little more. God won't take you too far that it's so hard that you can't do it. He'll take you one step at a time to lead you in the way you should go. To understand his precepts. Things that I consider sin now, six, seven years ago, I would blew all, no problem. I know you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it many times in the summertime here. Not the man I was a year ago, but a year from now, I won't be the man that's going to do death. God is continuing to improve you and your understanding of the precepts. We must take God's word to heart and apply it and live it. As I close, I'm going to go into life application of this message. Forever. We must realize that God's word is active in life today and tomorrow and for all of our days. We must apply the forever God's word to our lives. Yes. We must apply God's word to our lives every day. Amen. Fix. We must fix our eyes upon what the word says, what it really says, what it really means. Not some foul interpretation of it. Too many churches are having some loose interpretation of feel good. Gays will say that the word's all about love, and it is all about love, but it's not about the perverted love that they try to make it be in. If saying love's above all, but love's not above all gayness, because it does talk about gayness in the Bible when you go to study And it is a sin, it is wrong. They are twisting and perverting the word when they do that. That is not right. We must stay upon the fixed meaning. We should not dilute it, and we must apply it as true. Faithful. We must remember God is always faithful. He's always loyal. We need to be faithful and consistent as God is with us. Think about it a minute. God is always faithful and always consistent, but how consistent, how faithful are you to God? And I'm going to tell you, when God spoke that to me this, this week, that one stung a little bit. That one stings a little bit, because you know what? I'm chasing Jesus harder than I've ever chased Jesus times that I fall away short. I'm not always more like I should be. 
Yeah. He is always full, 100% of the time. Yes, he is. Firm. We recognize that God has set a firm plan in place that we should be following. We must be firm in our actions. We must realize that God loves us enough to be firm in His actions. So there are firm rules in this God's Word. They're not for us to interpret and lose love. And there is firm punishments when we don't follow them. We serve a loving God, but He punishes because He loves Forget, we must not forget the precepts, policies, procedures God's Word set for us. We must not forget who we are and our purpose. The mission to be discipled, to disciple others, to lead the lost to the cross, to encourage others, and to pray. We must not forget that Jesus and the cross and the tomb. Guys, the word matters. And I'm going to challenge you today to read all the Psalms 119 this week. If you haven't taken a calendar yet, or you need a copy of it, there's one on the board where you can make a copy of it. But there's a challenge for reading reading Bible this month. <coughs> I challenge each of you to be reading that Bible as part of the church. But I challenge you not, not just to do that, but to have your personal Bible study time. Amen. I challenge you to go beyond, I have no problem with devotional, but I, pro, I challenge you to go beyond simply reading a devotional that gives you one or two verses and then tells you the meaning of it. That's fine. That's a good get me started in the morning to get the tears, to get the sleepy junk out of my eye. Go deeper with God. Amen. Ask God where you want me to be in the Word. Get in the Word. Climb in the Word. Study the Word. And apply the Word. Amen. I'm reading Ezra right now. I'm not even sure why I'm in Ezra. But I felt like I needed to be in Ezra. And I've been studying Ezra. And I'm trying to figure out how does this apply to me now. And you know what? It may come. It may come to me two months from now or two years from now. But God's got me studying Ezra. Maybe a sermon coming on there. Who knows? But for record, I don't look when I'm in my personal Bible time. That's not the time I'm looking for a message for y'all. That's my time with Jesus. That's my time in the Word. That's right. So I want to encourage you guys to get into the words. Judy comes forward to play us a, a song. What you think about it? How faithful are you to God? How firm are you in His Word? First time I went to encounter to serve, I was scared to death. Because I've been around church all my life and I haven't been in the Word all my life. And I was going to serve and guys would ask me questions and I'm like, how do I answer questions when I don't know God's Word that well? And I got nervous because I'm like, I'm not prepared like I should be because I don't know God's Word. You need to know God's Word. Do you have to know exactly what, what Matthew chapter 7 says? Off the top of your head? No. You just need to know God's Word and have it in your heart. If you ask me where Scripture is, I'm probably going to do it. I don't remember most of the time. I can tell you probably maybe a book. It's not about that. It's about finding your heart. Not asking you to become a scholar. I'm asking you to become a follower of God's Word. So think about where you're at in God's Word and your study of God's Word. Are you submitting to God's Word? Are you ready to become that servant that love God's Word? I invite you to come forward to the altar and examine it.